your Locked On Avalanche, your daily podcast on the Colorado Avalanche. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, everybody, welcome to the Locked On Avalanche podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host, Chris Maselli, with another episode of the podcast dedicated to your Colorado Avalanche. Today's episode is brought to you by the Locker Room app. And wouldn't you know it, it's our Locker Room Friday. And uh, right now we're doing this show live on the Locker Room app. Uh, If you want to join in on that conversation, we do it every Thursday night, typically around 930. But um, my kids had other plans for me tonight. So we're starting a little bit later. uh, But we already have Kyle Sullivan. You know, Kyle, we have Alan who's joining in the call right now. So this is kind of like our free for all Friday, I guess. I literally just came up with that on the spot. How impressed are you with that, Kyle? Uh, that was incredible. <laughs> Absolutely incredible. So, uh, yeah, this is what we do on Fridays. We download the Locker Room app, and if you want to join the conversation and talk about uh, the week in review for the Colorado Avalanche, this is where you do it. So uh, let's get started. So the the Avalanche off to a good start, obviously, with their playoffs. First two games, they win them against St. Louis second game, not without some controversy. And I don't know where to start. I don't know. Like, do we start with the good? Do we start with the bad? I I, I don't, I don't know which direction to go this in. So I'll leave it up to you guys. With the mood of tonight and everything that's been going on, especially in the Leafs game, let's start with some good. Very good point. Yeah. Uh, And I'm glad you brought that up because uh, you know, that, that whole John Tavares thing. We'll, we'll get to that too, but man, that that's, that's tough. So I think I like your thinking Kyle. So, uh, all right, let's start with that avalanche. Like I said, up two to nothing. Uh, what's your guys take on how things have gone so far Two two games, obviously the avalanche win. That's what matters the most. I think, uh, they were dominant in both games. I think probably, a little bit more dominant in the first game uh, compared to the second. The second they came out gunning um, and then kind of just let up a little bit. It was noticeable. So uh, I guess we'll just start with overall impressions from the first two games. Go ahead, Kyle. I mean, honestly, on its face, I mean, we are look, we look incredible. Um, we had ups and downs through the first two games, but I mean, you can't argue with the results. I mean, a Nathan McKinnon hat trick to wrap it up in game two. I mean, you can't ask for more production out of that top line. Um, Grubauer has been playing a pretty good game, uh, especially with the first two at home. I think this is exactly what you want at this point. Yeah. And we'll get to obviously individual players, namely Nathan McKinnon as well. But um Overall impressions, Alan. What do you what are you thinking so far? Um, like you said, they're up and down. Uh, I, I guess the hmm, it was it was fun to hear, fun to watch because it's all playoffs, so they're all on TV now. Uh, <laughs> sorry, right. just got just got done helping doing something for one of my little guys there. Um, 
all, all I can say is like last night, uh, the lead can go away just like as quick as that. And mm-hmm. if you you could do the same thing with the series, they're only up two games and under going into St. Louis. They can't let off. Yeah, that like they did what they had to do. They had two games at home to start the series, and they won both of them. So they took care of what they had to take care of. It was it uh, perfect in how they did it. Uh, no, but at times it was. At times it definitely was. But th- these are the playoffs, and and I always say, no matter what sport it is, especially during the playoffs, the other team is trying to. You know what I mean? Like St. Louis is is trying to win these games. It doesn't mean they're just going to roll over and die for the Avalanche because they're down three to nothing. I think when the Blues got down three to nothing, they kind of felt like, well, not nothing's expected of us now. So I think they they got a little bit looser, and that benefited them. And, um, you know, you, you, you work on things and see what happens, throw some, as they say, throw spaghetti at the wall and see what sticks. Uh, and things started working better for them, uh, in that game. And, and it was noticeable. And I think coupled with the avalanche kind of going on autopilot, uh, things started to change in that game and it was noticeable. It was really, really noticeable, but you have, I think in the end, and that's what this series is going to come down to. And I said it yesterday. <clears throat> In the end, the Avalanche skill is just going to win out. It's just going to win out. They 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 have way too much depth. Uh, they have way too much speed. And I it's it's tough to ask St. Louis to keep up with that for one game, let alone an entire series. And you're gonna have those moments that St. Louis had where they kind of put it together. But when the Avalanche want to turn it on, uh, they can absolutely do that. Namely, Nathan McKinnon. Um, I, you know, not breaking the mold by saying it, but he's he is unquestionably the best postseason player in the league right now. Hands down, full stop, uh, no debate. Seven points after two games, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Incredible. So I'll I'll turn it over to you guys. What's your uh what's your take on, on Nathan McKinnon, what he's doing again? And I talked to Connor McGahee about this, about you know, can, can he duplicate what he did last year? Um, and my question what to to Connor was, does he have to? Because this team is is better than what they were last year. Uh, but guys like Nathan McKinnon aren't built that way. Guys like Nathan McKinnon aren't built like, well, I have a better team, so uh, they don't need me as much. No, he elevates his game even though he has a better team than last year. So, Kyle, what do you think on uh, on our, our old friend? Lucky to have him, Nathan McKinnon. Yeah, he's uh, – I mean, we talked about it in the last locker room. Uh, going into it, Nate's determined – and you can see it in the way he plays. Like, he doesn't want series to go to a game seven. He doesn't want to sit there and question everything with a heartbreaking game seven loss against Dallas. Um, he has the team around him to get him to the promised land, and he is absolutely hell-bent to get that cup this year. Mm. And we talked about it also in the last locker room. Like, you're asking the Blues to play a perfect game with all four lines that we roll out there. And you, it's it's evident with our speed, like you mentioned, that the Blues just can't keep up. 
and they gotta they gotta get physical. They gotta slow us down the best they can, and it's starting to uh, flare tempers a little bit and get under their skin. But you, it's I mean anybody can see it. There's a serious mismatch between the two teams, and Nathan McKinnon is absolutely on fire. Yeah, you said uh, yeah he doesn't want to go to a game seven. Do you think there's part of him? I don't know how to phrase this because I don't think anybody really wants to go to a game seven because you want to take care of uh, you want to take care of business earlier than that. But do you feel there's some part of him that wants to at some point to get over that game seven hump? You know, a Stanley Cup uh, cures all ills. <laughs> I feel like that's honestly I feel like that's his measuring stick. I feel like the game seven is an obstacle, but it's not the uh, the end result that he wants. Yeah. No, he's been um, he, he he's been our 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 horse, and I don't think anybody's surprised that he's coming out and starting these playoffs the way he is. Um, it's been it it's also it, to, to have that talent on your side uh, just makes you sleep better at night. Uh, and, and you know, having guys like that not on your side on the opponent that gives you nightmares. So, man, it's so good to have somebody like him, uh, on our side. Alan, what are you thinking on uh, anything McKinnon is doing? Well, it's, I go back again to what you said on your podcast a couple of weeks ago. He's the type of guy that's just got so much drive that he won't settle for less no matter who it is. He's not going to let you settle for less. So he, whether he's taking the team with them or the team is carrying their own weight, he's going to go regardless. And you just hope that they keep up enough that he doesn't have to work his tail off and not get anywhere. Yeah. Cause we all want to see that cup. And if, I mean, he's, he's the driving force behind the team. We see that. Although Landy, Landy, Landy's the other driving force by keeping everything in in line and showing who's boss in the way that you're not coming after my team. Mm-hmm. We saw that on Monday, first thing. That was awesome, by the way. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, it, it talked about that, you know, throughout the week. Uh, that set, that really set the tone. I think St. Louis was trying to set a tone. Uh, not surprisingly, when you get to playoff hockey, it's a little bit more physical. Um, and that was kind of like a, a question mark on the avalanche is their physicality. So St. Louis was going to come out and be physical, and they still are. They haven't stopped doing that. But uh, Gabe Landeskog throwing down with Shen early, uh, not only, you know, was an awesome fight and a fantastic call by Connor. Um, but yeah, it set the tone for the avalanche to say like, fine, you guys can be physical. We expect that from you, but yeah, we're not going to just sit here and take it. So uh, I absolutely love that. That's what captain captains do. And um, yeah, it, it, it's, it's pretty much, like I said, set the tone for what this series is going to be and continues to be. Um, I think, you know, as, as of, us recording this, we do not have any info on the Nazem Kadri suspension, which is going to happen. That's, you know, no secret. The only thing that's really is a question is how many games is it going to be? 
it's it's going to be several. It's not going to be a one or two game suspension for him to have a hearing in person, or at least it was a requested in person hearing. Uh, they only give those to people who are looking at six games or more. It doesn't mean he's getting six games, but uh, it does mean that this is not going to be a Tom Wilson slap on the wrist. So we are not going to have Nazem Kadri. I, I think it's going to be probably four or five games would be my guess. Um, you guys have any thoughts on what you think it might be, Kyle? Yeah, I've been a vocal Kadri supporter. Yeah, you have, long. which is fine. He's a great player. He's a great player. Right? Yeah, There's no problem with that. That that hit was completely uncalled for. Um, and I hate to say it, but yeah, I agree with you. It's probably gonna it's gonna be four. He's probably gonna show up probably midway through the next series, honestly. And yeah. especially with the events of um, what happened tonight with Tavares, um, this is something that I think, with it sitting on the desk of player safety, I think this is where they make a statement. Yeah, well, the, you know, they don't want headshots going around, and not that the Tavares one was intentional; that was an a- accidental one. Uh, but yet, the, you saw the result of that, and that dude, that image is now going to haunt me for the rest of my life of of John Tavares trying to set up and just. Yep. I, I I don't even I can't even describe it. Um, yeah, you're right. I mean, I know the two things have nothing to do with each other in terms of you know one was pretty intentional. The other one was not, but the end result is that's what a head injury can do. So, uh, he he does since it's it's it sucks because co- since coming over to the Avs, I feel like he's been on pretty good behavior. Um, he did have a lot of penalty minutes last year, but that that's his game. And he's not going to apologize for the way of the style that he plays. He plays a physical game. That's okay. What's not okay is is doing exactly what he did yesterday. That that is not okay. So, um, to if, as far as the Department of Player Safety goes, if you go eighteen months with no incidents, they don't label your next one as uh, what is it a repeat offender. So they won't call him that for this uh, suspension, whatever it may be because he's gone 18 months without an incident like this. So in terms of quote unquote, repeat offender, that kind of like is off the table. However, they still can use your past against you and they absolutely will when they come down on him for a fine or a suspension for this one. So uh, I think minimally four games, it, it could be more than that. It wouldn't surprise me if it's more than that. And you know, this is when your past catches up to you. And like I said, you play a physical game and that's okay, but you have to play a smart physical game. And that wasn't a smart play. And this is, and again, going back to our Tom Wilson conversation, I feel like they uh, set a precedent that now it's going to make it really difficult with whatever they hand down that is going to be Wade, Kadri and Tom Wilson. And I mean, you could draw straws and you could point fingers, but uh, they've already made their bed with a weak uh, punishment on Tom Wilson over the over the line when it came to Gothis Bear, and now Kadri now finds himself in completely uncertain territory. 
You don't know how it's going to be. I mean, he's technically not repeat offender. Tom Wilson is. Um, it's honestly, this is very confusing for Avalanche fans where this is going to go, but we all kind of expect it not to go well. Don't forget Jacob McDonald, man. Yes, uh, yes, absolutely. I mean, those videos, I, I, I love the videos that Department of Player Safety comes out with explaining to you the suspension what the hit was, what happened, you know, the whole scenario. And I always love that, especially with the Jacob McDonald one and the Shane Gossespierre one was uh, the, the player has no history, has no prior history. Then why are you giving him a two game suspension? And why are you not giving Tom Wilson a suspension? So if the department player safety is anything, it is inconsistent. Uh, and common sense just says Nazem Kadri is going to get a suspension. Uh you know, but Department of Player Safety doesn't really seem to have any of that. But I think for this, they, you know, I think this is a pretty easy call for them when it comes to uh, looking at Kadri and uh, knowing his past. And it's going to catch up to him. Yeah, Justin asks, um, who will fill the, the Kadri role? And Alan is in all likelihood correct with Carl Soderberg. He will probably come in. The lines will get interesting. Um, my guess would be Tyson Jost would move up to the second line. Newhook might move up to the third line, and you might have Soderberg on the fourth line. Because um, Soderberg hasn't done too much since coming back over to Colorado. But, you know, is this why they got him, though, is it for, for playoff stuff? It has to be. I mean, it's depth, and it's somebody who knows the system. So Absolutely, yeah. Um, what else? Um, defensive wise, uh, Kale McCarr is just, you know, we could talk about him forever. Uh, he's, he's just an absolute joy to watch. Nobody in the world skates like him. And I'm including Connor McDavid in that. Uh, I'm not saying that he skates better than Connor McDavid, but watching him skate is an absolute joy and his edge work is unmatched. You don't know where he's going. You don't know what he's doing. He's not in for, he's not afraid to engage, and he's he's that breed of offensive defenseman uh, who's real. You have to know where he is because he can put a puck in the net, and he's a great defender. I I really feel like I, if you were to if you were to ask me of all the awards uh, at the end of the year. And Avalanche players will be up for some awards. Who are you most confident in will win it? I would have to say Kale McCarr winning the Norris. And I know a lot of people want to go with uh, Adam Fox on the Rangers, who had a great year. I'm not taking away from that. But one thing I didn't know, and I read it in, um, I don't know if it was Peter Baugh on the, it was on the Athletic, but I don't know. It might have been Peter Baugh who wrote it. Um, I didn't know this. Every single Norris trophy winner has come from a playoff team. Did you guys know that? No. Yeah. So Adam Fox is uh, trying to break a mold here. uh, And 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 they're not supposed to vote uh, what happens in the postseason. But I don't know. Maybe maybe sometimes they get skewed when they – if, if a guy doesn't make the postseason, that might be a reason why somebody doesn't vote for him. I don't know. I just 
if if what you're going to hold against Kale McCarr is he doesn't have as many games played, then shame on you because you're not looking at stats then. It should be all the more impressive, the stats that he has while missing all of those games. Um, so any thoughts on, on McCarr? He's got more points than McDavid at this point. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, MVP of the playoffs, right? I mean, it's basic. It's basic, basic math right here. Right. And Alan, I want to go to you because you're, you're the Ryan Graves guy. Um, how are you? How do you feel about his play so far in the postseason? I feel like he's been up and down. He's made some really, really good plays. The one that everybody talks about is that diving save he made. Um, and then he struggles a little bit. And I, I, I you probably listened to yesterday's show where he just seems uncomfortable with the puck on a stick. Um, he's having an up and down series and he does things where you're like oh man that was so good great defensive play and then it could be the next shift and he'll turn the puck over with a terrible turnover and give the opponent like a really good high percentage chance like monday (laughs) so yeah good so that's that save was probably in all honesty my favorite uh, play he's ever made he's made some pretty cool hits and he's put in some pretty sneaky little goals, but um, he he made up for his turnover on that save yes. by far. But yeah, the, he, he has been up and down. Um, like I said before, I, I usually listen to the radio part, so I don't see, I'll hear that he's got the puck and that he puts a lot of shots towards the net. I don't see the physicality like, of what's going on, mm-hmm. so I, I don't see the mistakes that he makes all the time. Yeah. So that, that makes it a little tough for me, but eh, a lot of times I'm on Twitter as well. So like, I'm not paying attention even if I am watching. (laughs) It's, um, he's definitely, he's definitely stepped up his game since the second COVID break, the first COVID break, sorry. And that's when he started to, to assist more of the goals and actually score a couple. And, Mm -hmm. I think he's possessed the puck more, it seems like, in the last couple weeks or a month than he did even before again. But so that being said, he's going to mess up more than he did before. But yeah. he, there's always room for improvement, and he's the type of guy that learns from his, learns from his mistakes. Um, that is true. Let's, uh, just, let's just hope he doesn't pull the Dallas, the Dallas turnover like last year, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah no. I remember that, and I, I don't like to bring it up, but. I mean, everybody makes mistakes, right? So, and and like I said, he's he's my favorite player, well now of all time. I mean, of all just, time, just because of where I'm where I'm from and who he is. And right, right, right. Yeah. Um, so. No, and you're right about possessing the puck more, and and, and Avalanche, uh, th- their system is predicated on that. Like you are not immune to, you need to make zone exits, no matter, you know, which defender it is, it does not matter. Uh, and he's not immune to that. So, um, by the way, as we are recording, Minnesota wild is up two to nothing over Vegas. That is, there's nine seconds left. No, end of the first. So, um, Minnesota giving Vegas all they can handle right now. If you're listening to this on Friday, you know what the end result of that is. Uh, either way, yeah, Minnesota. Is this game two or three? 
This is game three. It's tied at one. Okay. And Tampa Bay lost in overtime six to five. What a game. That was a crazy game. That was a that was a insane. Oh game. my goodness. I mean, I think wasn't Tampa up five to two at one point, or was it five to three? I think it was let's Florida. Florida started it out two nothing. Two and nothing. Then in the second period, Tampa poured it on and then Florida came back in the end. What a game. That 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 series is a fantastic <laughs> series. Um all right, who else do we have on our side? What what are you guys thinking about um Alex Newhook? I I you know I really liked how he started his career. He started uh very well, plus one in like four straight games, had some assists here and there, not afraid to shoot at all. He is not bashful. Uh, but I do those games that he was playing, he first game centered the second line, uh, which kind of surprised me. I thought maybe the, like the first game they would just get him in there and you know just have him get acclimated to the NHL game but Jared Bednar was like nope have at it kid we're throwing you to the wolves and he responded um but he's been pushed down to that fourth line and I think that is affecting him it's not that he's playing bad he's just not getting the minutes to really do what he needs to do there's moments where he's still in there he's still mixing it up he's not afraid to mix it up uh but I I I just feel like he's he's not being utilized like he was in the regular season, and maybe it's hurting his game a little bit. Anything that you've seen on Newhook? Um, I, it's kind of the same deal with Gravy. Um, I think they're both kind of in their heads a little bit, and we made this we made this point about Jost. And once he kind of calmed down and got into the groove, uh, he really started like blowing up before the playoffs. Jost did. And I think Gravy's in his head, and I think Newhook's in his head a little bit. He's taking a lot of shots, but nothing's really trickling in. And I think that it's starting to um, affect him a little bit, where he's a little overshooty, if that makes sense. Yeah. But I I feel like um, it's one of those that Bednar's kind of using as a teaching moment, just kind of letting him watch how playoff hockey is played. And I feel like his minutes will start ticking up the deeper we go. Well, let me ask you this. Do you move him up to the second line when Kadri is suspended? And not I don't see break... why not, honestly. What's that? I don't see why not. I think that would be a perfect place, and I'd pull Soderberg on line three or four. But Well, I the mean, only reason I would say not... bring Newhook up is because to not break up that uh, Jost, Nachuskin, and Donskoy line. They're great together. So keep that line together. You're already comfortable putting Alex Newhook on the second line. So put him back up there. He's obviously played better when he's on the second line. Don't break up that Jost line and put Soderberg on the fourth line. I I think that's the way to do it. I don't know if, you know, that's how it will happen. We won't know. You know, they're, they're holding back these lines until a half hour before puck drop, which is kind of frustrating, but that's just... I have no say, you know, I'm not calling Jared Bender up and like saying, dude, I need these lines earlier so I can talk about it on Twitter. He doesn't care. Um, but I, I, if it was me, that's the route that, that I would go. Um, what about on the defensive end with Bowen Byram? He's healthy. He's healthy and he hasn't been in there yet. Did the way that they played in game two, which obviously they won, but 
it was not a full 60 minutes of avalanche avalanche pressure. It started out that way. And then they just, they let up um, is having maybe somebody like, uh, you know, the youth and energy of Byram on the defensive end that can kind of like maybe keep that momentum going. Do you think he returns in game three? I didn't think he was going to return in game two. He didn't, he could have, he's healthy. Uh, do you think he comes back in game three? And if he does for who I've I with Byram, I, I said it before. I don't know if he's going to make his way in to the playoffs just for the fact that the way St. Louis is playing now, they are, they're starting to run around a little bit and they're starting to get a little chippy and they're starting to get, uh, they're starting to finish their checks a little bit more liberally. Mm. And with Byram now just getting quote unquote healthy, which that's still a gray term in hockey. Do you want to put him back out there and then everybody have to deal with watching an injury on the ice again, possibly dealing with another Matt Calvert situation where he gets out there and finds out, well, I'm just not right yet. I don't think I can hang with this and then possibly jeopardize everything we put into Byram at this point. Hmm. Um, Like the defense is okay for right now. Um, but it might be one of those if we go up 3-0, let Timmons play maybe four to six minutes, just get his legs under him in a playoff game. But I don't think it's so much of a need right now, but he does need to get worked into the system. Yeah, if you are if you go up three to nothing, uh, we're getting Devin Dubnik in game four. You're probably getting Byram coming in for somebody, maybe, maybe Tim. I mean, you... And like I said in yesterday's show, that like you have to look at, uh, you know, who, who would he replace based on minutes? And I think Connor Timmons is playing fine, uh, but he's not getting the minutes. He got over just over eight minutes in the first game. I think a lot of that had to do with uh, Bennington playing so well. Um, and you need your top lines out there to try to crack that nut you know, and, and keep rolling your top lines out there. And eventually they did it, but the minutes just weren't there for him. And then in the second game, he played just over 11 minutes and they were up that entire game. So I don't know why he's not getting more. I mean, I'm not saying he's, he's going to get, you know, 18 to 20 minutes a game, but he should be in the 14, 15 minute range. And he's not. Nemeth is. Nemeth is getting 18, 19 minutes a game. And I don't think he's playing that well. Uh, yeah, I would have. I would have said that would have been where I would have put Byram in, but still, to this point, like it's not so much of a need. Like I guess they're trying to let Nemeth play himself into some confidence, but he's starting to jeopardize us a little bit with some of the decisions he makes out there. Well, they're they're keeping Nemeth out there because he's he's a penalty killer and you know, that's, he's a penalty killer. He's, he's a pretty good sized body and you know, you're going up against a physical team. Uh, are the abs worried about Byram's stature? Uh, and he can't hold up over the course of this series. That's a concern for this year, but he's, you know, he's a growing boy. <laughs> so I, it, it won't be in, in the years to come, but I think that's why they hold him out. Uh, and you're winning. You know what I mean? You're up two to nothing. So why, why you, you can, you can continue to win with what you have out there. 
if you just have to fine tune a couple of things, if you want to, if you want to be a stickler on something and say like, yeah, we're up to nothing, but we still have to work on these things. The roster that you have out there, you can fix that. And you have all of those, those veterans that are out there, like someone like Patrick Nemeth, you can go tell Patrick Nemeth, Hey, I need you to do this better. Uh, and he's more apt to do it than someone like Bowen Byram is, who's still learning the game. But on the other end of that, you have Alex Newhook, who's even you know more new than Byram is. And we're talking about putting him in on a second line right now. So it's craziness. It's craziness. I don't know. Um, Alan, I didn't. I, I think thought you were speaking up there, and I interrupted you. I don't know if you were saying anything or not. No, I hadn't started, but uh, I, I see. I came in a little later with the Byram thing for for him coming up through the line. I remember lots of talking about New Hulk and then seeing how we played in Boston College and then how we played in for the Eagles. And I mean, he was on fire. Yeah. So, uh, and he continued. I mean, he hasn't scored goals or a ton of uh, offense and on, since he's been on, but, I mean, he, he's done well. Uh, Byram didn't show much on the score sheet. He played physical, but like you said, he's right now he's kind of a liability. Yeah. So well, it's – it's. I, I, I wouldn't – I mean, I don't know if I would label him as a liability. I mean, maybe in terms of, of inexperience. Injury prone. Uh, yeah, that's true. I mean, he did have – COVID, which led to some injury, which I don't really know what it is. I think it was, you know, the the old lower body injury. Um, yeah. But uh, he, he's going to get out there. You know, he, he's going to get ice time. He's going to play in, in this postseason. And I'm fine with that. I have no problem with him playing. It's just uh, where do they want to put him in? At what time? And yeah, I think you're going to see him when the abs are possibly up three to nothing and still feel comfortable putting him in there. I don't think, you know, he's, he's a liability into the, the fact of like, you know, they don't feel like they can then win a game. If bone Byram is in there, they absolutely feel that they can win it. But uh, you know, if you're winning games right now, why interrupt that? So I think that's where we're at with uh the defenders i see jason's in here i'm scared um <laughs> where do we go from here the series heads back to st louis um far from over now you're going into enemy territory uh do you guys know what the the capacity level is in st louis what they're doing over there i haven't heard anything lothar says nine thousand. is that that's that's uh if that's true, that's you, that you've just added another dimension to this. Uh, I, have a, I, I have a feeling if I Google anything St. Louis Blues, I'll get a virus on my phone. <laughs> so just... You'll either get a virus on your phone or uh, Google AdSense of uh, you know NHLShop.com oh, wanting to no. send you nothing but uh, St. Louis Blues stuff. Um, <laughs> Yeah, he heard it on altitude. Okay, so that's that's where we're at. So that that's a good number, uh, nine thousand wow. people in the arena. So, um, the abs, you know, the abs are going to have to deal with that. And this is the first time, really, that they've dealt with it. They're, they've played some games with fans in the arena, like uh, the Coyotes had people in the arena. I think they were some some of the one of the first teams to do it, but it was you know not a lot, a couple thousand people or something like that. But 
this is different. This is a playoff atmosphere. Fans really can change the dynamic. Um, and, you know, you are playing a St. Louis team who maybe figured some things out from from being down three to nothing and playing a little bit more loose. And uh, like they have, you know, we have nothing else to lose. Might as well just go for it. And they did. And they got back into the game. The Kadri, um the Kadri five-minute major did not help clearly because now your three best players are sitting on the bench for a full five minutes. So I, despite being down two to nothing, I think St. Louis has some confidence. They're, they feel like they can hang with you in some capacity. I still feel like they, they have to be worried about hanging with you for a full 60 minutes, but they're going back home, and that that's, uh, that's a lot. Avs took care of their home ice. And now St. Louis is going to try to do the same. What do you guys think? What do you guys think this game three is going to look like? And how do you think it's going to wind up? I say game three, put Dubnik in net, let Bennington and Dubnik square up. Yes. Get it out of the system. Yes. And then, then let that set the tone for game three. <laughs> so, so put Dubnik in. As soon as the puck drops, he flies across the ice and just takes out Bennington. They get into a scrum. Goalies are ejected. And then Grubauer comes in, right? I mean, perfect. $120,000 a year. I could coach your Colorado Avalanche. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's awesome. Um, I don't think we're getting Dubnik, man. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry to disappoint you. I know that's not disappointing you at all. <laughs> but um, it's I, all part of the plan. <laughs> I thought Kyle loved Dubnik. Oh yeah, it's his favorite player. He, he, he yeah. You know how you started your Ryan Gray's fan page? That's exactly Don't that's exactly even. what Kyle did. Kyle yeah, started. that's right, Kyle. Don't put that evil on me, Ricky Bobby. <laughs> <laughs> um, I yeah. What do you think, Alan? I think this is gonna be this is gonna be a. A, a tough game. It's going to be a tricky game for the Avalanche. You think they survive this and go up three to nothing? I, I think they can, but it's not going to be a six to two or six to three score. It's going to be a lower score and it's going to be closer. So they're going to have to fight for what they get. <laughs> Worse yeah. than they have been the last two games. Um, I, I just I can't believe I have I haven't seen that defensive game from St. Louis uh, that they've done twice against the Avalanche. The first game of the season. And then uh, when they played them those two games towards the end of the season, um, you haven't seen that yet. But, you know, the the one towards the end of the season, the Avalanche did not have a full roster like they do now. So, um, you know, that plays a big part in it. So I think, you know, Bennington is going to play well. I think Grubauer is going to play well. I think this is going to be um, a, a – one of the you know a, a goalie game, but the Avalanche defense, they, with with the exception of the the lax you know kind of laid back attitude that they had after they went up three to nothing, and they were crushing the Blues and shots on goal, and they let them back into it. And I think the game ended thirty five to thirty five with shots on goal, so they were tied with shots on goal, and that that really should not have happened. So I think the Avalanche will clamp no. down on defense. I think because of that, Grubauer won't see as many shots on goal. Should be your typical Avalanche game in, in terms of they'll get their shots on goal in the 30s 
and only let up in the low 20s. Uh, and it's how many will they be able to get past Grubauer? Lothar is saying uh, two to one in, in overtime. He's calling for an overtime game. Please don't. Well, it's a Friday. I don't care. You can go to overtime in, on, on a Friday. I was praying they did not go to overtime <laughs> in Wednesday's game. Oh, my God. Um, hang on here. So, Peter, Peter, good point. He says, uh, Blues have been too busy putting themselves out of position by going for the hit. That's their game. That's how they have to that that's really how they have to keep up with the avalanche. They can't keep up with them in speed. They have to hit them, uh, get an avalanche body on the ice, and then get an odd man rush in their offensive zone. That's that's kind of how the blues have to play this game. Uh, because if you're just gonna go five on five back and forth, the abs are going to clamp down on D. They're not gonna they're gonna keep you outside the dots. They're, they're going to do everything that the Avalanche is supposed to do, like a good defensive team will do, and you're not going to do – you're going to get very few scoring chances on them. So um, – but that's what the Blues have to do. They're, they're – I don't want to go as far as say they're a dirty team. They hover on that. Um, they're do, you know They're not going to be super dirty in the playoffs because they're not going to want to get those penalties called on them. They are hovering on that line. But uh, they're they're going to they're going to play a game of hitting you every opportunity that they have, and and they should. That's how they're going to keep into this thing. But I, I do I think um, this should be a lower scoring game. I would say, um, yeah, like kind of what Lothar saying two to one, three to two. Maybe it goes four to two if the Avalanche get like an empty netter or something like that. But uh, Kyle, what do you think? How do you think this game's gonna go? Yeah, it's gonna be tight. It's gonna be uh, it's gonna be a fight. And I swear, they keep Grubauer in there. I do not want Dubnik letting a goal by, and then I have to hit Gloria. I'll just chew glass. So <laughs> please just just keep Grubauer in there. Um, it's going to be chippy in the home crowd. That nine thousand that we were just talking about, nine thousand. That's going to be a raucous crowd, and they're going to feed off that. So, um, that is going to play a role. Uh, I'm telling you, like you know, not not having that for so long, and now uh, you know, finally getting it back. And the, Alan, what are you doing over there, bro? Me? Yeah, is that you or is that Kyle? Do you um, hear what? I don't know. It sounds like hey, you're, you're, sounds like you're uh, paper ripping ripping up <laughs> duct tape or something. That's my dog. <laughs> the dog she, makes an appearance. She, she's tearing up a paper bag. <laughs> as Good all dogs Molly, do. The abs fan, yeah. Right, as all dogs do. The the homework, right? <laughs> tearing up the homework. She's embarrassed now. She's giving me the look. Oh, we didn't mean to embarrass oh. the pup on the show. <laughs> oh, that's fine. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, so anyway, like the the – you know, having fans for the blues for really the first time, that's going to play a role. I'm telling you, it's going to be, you got to take them out early. If you're the avalanche, you've, you've started both games uh, scoring pretty quickly. So uh, you need to do that for a third game and take the crowd out of it, out of it as quickly as possible. So um, we'll, we'll see how it goes. I will do a Saturday show. Um, because of this Friday game, it's the postseason. 
we're doing weekend shows. We're not slowing down. So, yeah. Um, all right. Any last words from Mr. Allen? I think you're good. Take Clifford out. And Take it, Clifford out. Yeah. <laughs> and then Mr. Kyle Sullivan. Uh, we got to just keep rolling, keep doing what we do. Um, I would suggest starting that set, uh, that top line in the third line position just to shift things up and get that top line off the ice. If these guys are going to come in here buzzing, uh, we don't need any of the top line injured. So just mm. shift up that a little bit and let's just go from there and just get out of St. Louis healthy. I'm very much looking forward to seeing what these lines look like uh, with the with the cadre situation, which we still don't have. We're not, I, I thought we were going to hear from that today. Yeah, that's uh, it's very interesting that we still haven't heard anything with a game coming up. Yeah. Just, well, uh, I mean, he is suspended indefinitely. We know that. We know that he, he, he will not be playing tomorrow unless they come down with a ruling where he's not suspended. Uh, that's the only way he plays tomorrow, but because didn't he didn't he receive a game also to match penalty? Oh, the, yeah, yeah. He, he was kicked out of the game that they were playing. Yeah. Okay, I didn't yeah. know if he was had anything carrying over. Still had to sit out for the next game. No, they 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 did say they suspended him um, until they figure out what to do with him. Okay. So, like I said, if they if they figure out what to do with him before tomorrow's game, where it's a not suspendable offense then he'll be playing but um you would have to think that they're going to make a decision before the game tomorrow and we'll go from there so we'll talk about it um <laughs> molly was bringing in the squeaky toy that thank you alan that mute button works, works wonders. um all right guys so thank you everybody in the chats uh some new people in the chat Welcome aboard. So uh, we'll do this every Thursday, usually around 930 Eastern time. If the kids want to go to bed on time, that is. Uh, and then th- and Justin, you're here every week, man. I appreciate it. So we'll see everybody tomorrow. Enjoy the game. Hopefully we can make this a three to nothing series and have it firmly in our grasp. And let me check the well, it's probably still intermission in the wild game, but I just want to check it really quick because so they're up two to nothing, and now it's yeah, no, it's halfway through the second, two to one now, Vegas. So I'm gonna go watch that. All right, guys, thanks for coming in here. Thanks a lot. See you tomorrow. Bye bye. Peace. Night. Go, Abs. Go.